Good morning. My name is uh, Kirk Atkinson. As Randy said, I'm uh, my wife and I, Deb is my wife. We live in Nashville, Tennessee, on the north side of Nashville. And we moved there last August. And we are uh, planting an ethnically and economically diverse church. Um, where we live, where we're doing it, uh, is 37208. And that zip code has the highest incarceration rate in the entire country. And it is um, it's poor. There are marks of incredible brokenness. There's sadness all around us, everywhere. Few people look like me, and it's the greatest, kindest, most generous neighborhood I've ever lived in. Um, I went there thinking, man, I got to get there because these people, they need Jesus. And we all do. I, I get there when I'm realizing, man, I need more Jesus. In fact, I need to learn from them how to love a neighbor. They love me better than I've loved neighbors ever before. Now, most of my neighbors are not Christians. And the ones who aren't are the ones who love me best. Now, we have to reckon with that. We have to reckon with that. Jesus tells us in this passage we're going to look at today that to love, and why is it a command? Because it's not easy. We don't do it naturally, and we don't do it well. And I'm so thankful you had kids singing here this morning. How cool is that? Uh, if, we, if I was going to preach a second sermon, I think I'd, I'm pretty convinced it'd probably be we have to become more like them if we want to experience the kingdom of God. Our tendency is to think the problem with the world is out there. It's not us. It's people who have bad thoughts and people who don't believe like us, people who don't um, look like us, people who don't value the same things as us, and we just neglect to look at ourselves. No, we're the problem. We are, you and I. We are. We are in desperate need of Jesus. And when we don't see that this passage of loving neighbors, this call to go to Belgium, oh my goodness, you're encountering every day this deep need of Christ. And my guess is, just by listening to you guys, you've probably seen even greater your deep need of Jesus in the midst of that. It's amazing. And, and we have to reckon with that. We've got to deal with that. What is Jesus calling me to? How, does, how do these passages, um, what do they look like for me? How am I not doing this? Because it's really important, or he wouldn't have said, everything in Scripture, every single thing, hangs on these two things. So, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. I'm going to be slipping these glasses on and off, and 
what I'm probably going to do is I, I may just go ahead and just leave them on because I'll probably mess up this, uh, this microphone here on my ear. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And can I just say what a wonderful staff you have? Your pastor, uh, Dan and Libby and Lisa, they have been so good to us. You, I'm sure you do. But uh, while this, this passage, loving your neighbors, be sure that they're included in that neighbor part. These guys are awesome. Love them well. You've got a gift, man. And just to t- tell you how thoroughly they've loved us well, I gave uh, the Old Testament passage this morning, uh, Leviticus 19, about loving neighbor. Um, and I entered Leviticus 9. And Lisa is so, so thorough, she contacted me. She's like, oh, that can't be the passage that you want to read. Because <laughs> if you're preaching on that, we may have a problem. <laughs> so you got a great team, and I'm very thankful for them. The way that you care for us, take care of us, um, is just astounding. My wife sends her, her deep um, thankfulness and, and love for you as well. We've never encountered a church We've planted two churches. We've never encountered a church that supports the way that you do. And so um, I thank you very much. Let's read this passage. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, how are you doing with this today? This is the most important thing in all of Scripture. And Jesus says, everything hangs on these two. So let me just ask you, how are you doing with these two today? Typically, when someone came up to Jesus and he pointed them to the law, they would say, oh, I'm doing all that. Yeah, I got that covered, Jesus. No problem. Um, or, or they would come up and say, hey, I'm doing all these things. What else is there to do? Now, I'm doing all this. How can I have eternal life? And Jesus continually just undermined their self-confidence in their completing the law. Uh, all, these, all these folks, they, they really, they're just thinking, man, I, I've got my I's dotted, the T's are crossed. I'm doing all this super well. So now, Jesus, what's the next step? And Jesus would show them time and time and time again. And I, I would say that if he were here today, that he would uh, show us too that we don't do any of this well. If our hope, yours and mine, and the world's, is that we are going to satisfy God by completing the law, loving God, loving neighbor, and, and, and then we're good. We are going to be the sorriest people ever to encounter Jesus in eternity. We have no hope 
if, if we have to complete this, I'm not getting any head nods. I've been preaching in Nashville for a little while now well, with, a, with a, a lot of African-Americans. And, and I mean, they talk as much as I do. It's amazing. And it's just this constant feedback. And I've forgotten uh, us <laughs> white folks, people like me, we just don't do that. And, um, and so I've gotten used to it. So head nod, you don't even have to talk, but just a, mm, thank you. Yeah. Well, that would be, that'd be awesome. I just want to make sure we're on the same, same page. If Jesus were here today and you were to ask him, what should we do in the next 130 years? Because that's about how long you've been around, right? 140? 120? Whatever. Jesus, how, what should we do for the next 120 years? My guess is that he would say, love God and love your neighbor. He, he would point us to, to, to loving. Um, the, it's not like, well, okay, now he, he died on the cross. He arose from the dead. He's ascended to the Father. He intercedes for us. Now all that's changed. Now we get to get on to the more, more important stuff, the deeper things. No, this is the deepest thing there is. It's, it's the foundation of all the Old Testament law, which was all of Scripture that they had at the time. It was the foundation of everything. And right now here in Huntsville, there are people that need to be loved. Uh, some of you this week, you got the worst news you've ever heard. Or, or uh, the fear of getting the, first, the worst news you've ever heard. Or somebody in your family got the worst news they've ever heard. Or someone you work with got the worst news they've ever heard. And what do you do in the midst of that? What hope is there? You, you can just feel like, oh, is there, is there a place for us to experience and have more love? I, 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 right now, I just need to know that someone loves me. I feel alone and lost and broken and scared. Can any of you relate to that? I, I can. Someone this week took their life by suicide that I don't know, but I've invested about 150 hours watching their program and having them tell me about the world. And when I heard it, I cried. And I texted my wife and I said, this person is gone. And, we, and that later that night, we cried together. It's like, wow, what, what did he not know about love or, or about, about loving others? And, and did he know how important he was and how much he's loved? This world, this world needs these two commandments to be real and to be powerful. Right now, there are abused women and children right here in Huntsville that need to know that Central Press loves them. You have neighbors, people on your block, that it probably looks like they've got it all together, man. Their lives are just clicking. Kids are awesome. The, 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 the cars are awesome. The house is awesome. The family's often awesome. The extended family's awesome. Even their in-laws are awesome. Everything about those people is just awesome. And they're if you knew behind the walls in that family, you might find out, my goodness, there is such need for them to know they're loved. Their lives aren't 
as put together as it seems. Now, if you're like my family, uh, when I was growing up, and even now it's just me and my wife, you know, you're on your way to church on Sunday morning, and you, when you walk through the doors, you've got smiles on your face, looks like everything is okay, but man, if people knew what happened in the car, you'd be like, that family needs some love. <laughs> They're just a mess. It's all around us. It's everywhere. There are men right here this morning in this in this sanctuary, you're so desperate for love, to know you're loved, and you are so desperate, actually, and you may not even know it, to learn how to show it, how to, how to knock down that facade that so many of us put up where we just don't know how to emote, we don't know how to go out and show, and you're just desperate for it and you need it so bad. It's everywhere. Marriages are being torn apart as we speak. The need for love knows no race, no gender, no religion, no economic status, no education level, no success or lack of success. Or The need for love crosses all boundaries. Whatever boundaries you have, lines of demarcation you have that, that cut us up into, into categories, um, it crosses all those, all those lines, all those boundaries. How are we doing with this? I, I hope that at some level you're saying, at least you're saying we're not doing very well at it. At least you might be saying that. I hope you might be saying we don't do this well very often. The, the, the gospel call to us is to, is to constantly see our deep need of Jesus and that we've never arrived that we've never gotten it right, and that we are constantly needing the gospel to change us, to learn to love more. That, that it's just like, we're not going to be able to love as much love that, that is needed. We're never going to be able to fill that up on our own. So we constantly need to be reshaped, renewed, remade, and see this call of God on our life to go and love this, I, Huntsville needs this church right here to love well. To be so moved by this call by Jesus and so moved by his love for you that it just propels you out to love even more than you already do. The work you're doing um, this last week in the Dominican. Now, that's amazing. That, that's from love. We need more of it. Even here, even right here. Love is not hard, it is costly. And if you don't believe that, just ask the people in your family. Is love hard? <laughs> it's hard loving us. We, we, we tend to think, I do, this is where I start. Man, it's hard to love people. Look, the bottom line is, it's hard to love me. And if you don't believe that, and you don't know me, so why would you even have an opinion Ask my wife, Deb, if it's hard to love me. It's, it's very, very hard. It's a constant work to love. It's costly. It's not easy. It, it means constantly putting ourselves behind and putting others before us. Dying to self so that other things can live. 
And I guess if you would ask your family and your friends, you might find that it's not just out there that it's hard to love, but you might find out that it's difficult to love you as well. Let's look at the commands and then the hope. The first command um, is to love God. Now, this is in verse 37 and 38. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God. And by the way, this is connected to the Deuteronomy 5 passage. So he didn't just make this up. He's saying... That is still true, what was said before. And it's, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, love God with everything. And he's very specific here about about God. Now, Now, he's not, when it says, love the Lord your God, he's not suggesting there that just find your God and then love that God. Right? I mean, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying your own personal version of God or the God that you are creating for yourself, the God that's out there that's latched on to you, that is meaningful to you. Let's just love that God. No, no, that's not what he means. He's saying a very specific God. Love the God that gave this law, the God of the Old Testament, who, by the way, Jesus says, I am. Jesus identified with him so deeply that that God, Yahweh, who gave this law, that Jesus said, he and I, we're we're one. Now, Jesus is very particular. This is an area right here that we would love for Jesus to be a little more liberal. Now, you as Reformed folks, and I am one of those. I mean, I love the scripture and we love the God of the Bible. And this call to him, very specific. But my guess is, is that even for you, certainly would be easy for me, that if Jesus would have just been a little more liberal here, it would make my job a lot easier. If he could just, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome for you to just love your God. Sure. Yeah, but the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that just kind of covers it all. That might make it easy, easier. It might make it easy for, easier for you at work. When people kind of corner you and they say things like, so now are you, uh, are you inclusive, exclusive in terms of God and who he saves? Do you think I'm going to go to hell? When we planted a church in Boulder, we had a lady who later that night we found out was in Wiccan. Her, her fiancé just blurted out, she's a witch. And I mean, just deal with that. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. We had couple of drinks just like what what was just said it was amazing and um but it would have made it easier because he walked into our kitchen and said so now if I die without Jesus as you say am I going to hell Kirk it would have been a lot easier if I could have just said Gregory you know that probably you're probably gonna be okay just just live the best you can that would have It could have taken some pressure off and not made that night so weird, right? That's a terrible way to start a dinner at your house, but we did. And um, but Jesus right here is not liberal and wide. No, no, no. No, Jesus is very specific. It's it's a tight line. He threads this needle straight back that line right to the God of the Old Testament. He says, "This God, love." with everything that you have. This is the God you're responsible to. This is the God that you um, 
have accountability to. This is the one you're supposed to love. And Jesus is so emphatic about his own connection to him, being one with him. He says crazy things like, I was there when the angels fell. I mean, isn't that just, am- isn't that just amazing? You know, that when they ascended and descended. He, he said things that made people want to stone him when he claims before Abraham was I am. Jesus is not, does not give us wiggle room here. He's very specific. It's, it, it's very, if you want to use the term, very conservative, very tight, very, um, there's just no room. It's either God that he tells you to worship, this God of the Bible, or none other. This is it. This is who all humans are responsible to. And it would make it easier if it wasn't. But that's the way it is. We want Jesus to be wide and open here, allow people to define them for ourselves. Who was it, Anne Lamott, that said, in the beginning God created us and we've been trying to return the favor ever since? (laughs) Yeah, we try to mold and make a God in our image, one that we're comfortable with. And even when we do that, we fall short, don't we? We still know something's wrong, even when we've fashioned our own gods. The second part of this is to command to love your neighbor. Now, this right here, this is where we begin asking questions like people ask Jesus. So now, who's my neighbor? Right? So who is this that I have to love? I mean, come on now. Draw some lines here for us. Connect the dots, Jesus, because that's just too wide. Uh, Tell me precisely who it is that I have to love. Now, this is where Jesus really shocked them. Right? Because he just blew the, the doors off of their concept of what it is to love and who to love. Um, he's, he tells this story and he's showing that you, you love the people that you hate the most. The people that you actually love to hate. Whereas there is so much righteous indignation that you feel good about it. Because it's like, I know I'm right and they're wrong. And there's just this kind of thing that built, that swells up in us when we just know that we're on the right side and they're on the wrong side and we can just kind of in some ways in some ways we can um, build up a hatred now something that's popular for us today is for us to find a way to tolerate tolerance Jesus is not calling us to tolerance I'm not suggesting, now don't hear what I'm not saying. Now, please don't leave here and say, yeah, that tolerance stuff that's going around in our culture, that's terrible. No, no, no. Our culture that doesn't have the God that we do has to show us sometimes that there has to be some tolerance to love people, for people to exist together. So I'm not saying let's knock down tolerance. I'm saying that as Christians, it's a higher standard. It's actually, it's actually more than tolerance. Jesus is not calling us to tolerate people here. To tolerate people is just kind of a thinly veiled hatred, right? It's kind of like, oh, got to put up with them. Ah, oh, man. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to tolerate it. You know, like that, that, that night where your wife maybe says to a husband, surely you can just give me two hours with these folks and we can just hang out, right? You're like, oh, I can tolerate that. That, you know, that kind of, oh, just, it kind of hurts to do it, but you do it. You just push through. That's not what Jesus is talking about. 
No, no, no. No, that's, that's the kind of stuff that has to be legislated for us to do. <laughs> right? Jesus is saying, no, no, no. There's, there's a, there is a, a court. There is someone above and beyond all governments and, and even your own heart that tells you love everybody. Everyone. We love to, to find ways now to navigate around that. And we find ways that make us feel comfortable. Where we feel obligated to say things like, well, I don't agree with anything they do. But I love them. What? What kind of, you know, what kind of uh, caveat is that? You know, and we, and we throw... We throw laws around the laws. Okay, I got to love. All right, but I, I am going to announce to everyone what I don't like about that person. Do you, are you tracking with me? Have you been there? I do it. Feel compelled to say, here's the line between us. Here's how we're different. Oh, but I love them. Those, that, that's, we, we just feel like if we were to say, I love that person without explaining to people who think differently of us, oh man, well I thought you were a Christian. How could you love them? We want to protect that. Look, Jesus loved so well that he was criticized and, and really thought to be a sinner just like them, just like the people he hung out with. And rarely do you see Jesus saying, well, y'all understand why I'm doing this, right? I mean, I'm here, just come on now. You know I know that this is really difficult for you. He's not. No, it's just like, I'm here to love people. Y'all are hypocrites for, for questioning my love. I have a feeling that if Jesus were to be in my presence, there would just be so often where he would just call me out and be like, Kirk, you're a hypocrite, man. Oh, you're, you're not loving as well as you think you are. This is how... It looks to people that you're loving, but man, I know what's going on inside, deep down inside of here. It's not just about those actions you're doing that people can see and that you're writing in your updates to tell them how well you're loving North Nashville so that you can get people to support you. It's not just those things. No, I want you to love them in your heart and stop building these walls around that describes why you love them and how you, you, know, you can fit that into your theology, make you comfortable. Jesus is not calling us to a comfortable love. He's not calling us to a thinly veiled hatred of tolerance. He's calling us to crazy love. Loving people. Brothers and sisters, it takes time and intention and patience and is inclusive. This call that Jesus gives us here is inclusive for you to love everybody. Interesting, we're supposed to even love our enemies. So there are those categories that we have, and whatever those categories might be, we might, for instance, say today that ISIS is our enemy. Jesus would say, all right, that's your enemy. Love those people. You love them. Wow, man, it's just easier to just say, I hate ISIS, and, and, I, and, and I hate people who hate us. But this is a call to love people that fly planes into buildings, this is a call for us to love people who are very different than us, just completely different, who love other gods. Or 
who don't have any God at all where they think. This is a radical love. Jim Hatch, one of my friends who uh, works with church planters, he asked his church one time to define for him uh, the best kind of neighbor. What, what is it? To, to, what is the best neighbor? And the most common given answer out of over 100 was uh, those who leave us alone. Those who just, we do our thing, they do their thing. That, that is funny. When I heard it, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's crazy. That is so ungodly. That's so counter to all that the Bible tells us. Those who just leave us alone, those are the best neighbors. They just stay out of my way. I don't have to deal with them. They don't have to deal with me. Jesus calls us to a life that is one of, of deep interaction, of like getting in each other's business. My neighbors, where I live, they're in my business and, and they invite me into theirs. It's amazing. It's the greatest neighbors I've ever had. I, I go out on the front porch and, and I can uh, go out there and read or I walk up to the corner where everybody's smoking weed um, and the guy's selling right in front of me um, or I'm just outside at my other neighbor's house. You just hear everybody talking and you hear everything out in the open. It's a very vulnerable, kind of like very open, like I got nothing to hide. Y'all know who I am. Let me tell you something. That makes me a little uncomfortable at times. What I'm finding is that's actually calling me more into the gospel. Because, man, if I'm really loved by Jesus and I know that, then there's some freedom for me to be honest with them too. Talk to them about about. How broken I am. How sinful I am. How in deep need of Jesus I am. You want, to, you want to, to win your neighbors to Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting you approach this like an agenda and manipulation. I am suggesting that if you allow the gospel to work deep in your heart and you become very honest about your brokenness and your own sin, your neighbors will just be like, wow, where, where did that come from? Man, what is that guy's belief about Jesus that he can do that? Just shock them with your story and with your love. It's hard to love. And wait a minute. Jesus includes something, there's a little tagline on there. Love others as we love ourselves. And and I would suggest this is important or he wouldn't have said it. And we have a very, very screwed up vision of what it is to love self. Um, We mess that up just as much as we mess up loving God. Just as much as we do loving neighbor. Our understanding of of proper self-love is so twisted and turned on its head. For the Christian, a proper self-love would be one that is honest about ourselves. Like, Like I'm a wounded, broken, and I'm a person who wounds and breaks person. That's who I am. And the only way to properly love that, if we reckon with it, we, we actually you know, encounter our real selves, is to know that, but by 
God, through his love for us, in his son Jesus, and by the work of his Holy Spirit, I'm loved. Deeply loved. And there's a self-assurance in that that is not arrogant, that doesn't necessarily need you to put yourself before others or myself before others. It's this real kind of counterintuitive thing that the best way for me to properly love myself is to be deeply honest about myself, that I'm a mess, but Jesus loves me just like I am and is so in love with me that he is determined to abide with me and change me. And there's going to be some changes that I see, some that I don't. The greatest thing that can happen to us is when we have realizations like, wow, I don't love well. (laughs) Do you realize that's the Holy Spirit at work in your life when you just kind of have those encounters? Where it's like, oh man, I wasn't very nice. That's the beauty of God's commitment to you. That can give you, you, don't look at that as, oh man, he's ticked off at me again. He's just tolerating me. God's not tolerating you. He's not tolerating me. God is deeply passionate in love with us. He's loved his neighbor perfectly. And he's loved his enemies perfectly, of which we were one. Apart from Christ, we're enemies of God. And how has he shown his love for us? That while we're yet sinners, he dies for us. If there's not security in that, and assurance, and a sense of like self, like, man, I get to go out and love now. Yeah, I don't do it well. I'm a mess. Jesus loves me. I I mean, I just know he loves me. He's with me. That's what all the Bible's about, his commitment to you. And how does he make that possible? What's our hope? I think some of the greatest words you can hear today are these. I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. These commandments right here, if you're thinking right now, like if you're thinking, I'm doing pretty awesome. I'm really good at those two commandments. Back up. Stop right where you are. You're not. You aren't. You're, even on your best day, Scripture tells us, even on my best day, my righteousness is filthy rags. And the greatest words I can hear are Jesus saying to me, I didn't come to abolish the law and make life easier. I came to fulfill the law, the thing that you can't do. Is that beautiful? Is that an amazing Savior? He didn't just love us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to come and live for us, completing the law for us. If we can let that sink deep into our hearts, if we can really let that sink deep into our hearts, that Jesus was abandoned by his Father so that we wouldn't have to be. That Jesus was excluded so that we could be included. If we begin to let that touch us and and speak deep to our hearts, we can begin to be freed up to love God and love neighbor as ourselves because we just we will will encounter time and time and time again God loves me I I just can't even believe it 
that Jesus actually loves me. He's not going to abandon me. Proper self-love is a love flowing from the grace and mercy that we've been shown. Set on mission to love God and neighbor with proper love for ourselves. Going and loving this world, going and loving Belgium, going and loving Huntsville, going and loving North Nashville with just this crazy love where we're just free to go do it. Is that what you want? You have a Savior that's loved you that way. He has. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have loved us so completely that in the midst of our brokenness and messiness, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of us being your enemies, you sent your Son out of great love for us and you saved us, you redeemed us, you've made us your own. We are sons and daughters, we're not stepchildren. We're adopted in the family, we're joint heirs. What is true of Jesus, when you look at him and see his righteousness, is true of us. We thank you for Jesus. May we have such security in him that we would be um, less, less self-serving, even less self-aware, where we kind of die to ourselves and become more aware of those around us and what you've called us to. Let the gospel sink deep into our hearts and let the freedom that it brings set us free to go and live out the gospel. It's in our beautiful brother and Savior's name. Amen.